0: let's pray father we uh love that we get to worship the one true god we love that you made it possible for us to know you not of our own merit but by grace we love that we uh, get to call you father that you saved us to be together to be with you Lord, this morning as we uh, reflect a little bit on, on the adventures and uh, all the times that we had on uh, our short missions trip back east, Lord, we, uh, we want to honor you with our thoughts. We want to uh, draw from this what's beneficial to us. Lord, we want to learn, we want to grow, and we want to rejoice in what you've done. We want to rejoice that we get to be back here with our church family and with our families at home. Father, we look to you now and we trust you. And sometimes it's a little more difficult than, than others to trust you. But, Father, we, uh, we do. Lord, I pray that you would uh, help us to focus our our minds and our thoughts on you that this morning and coming away from this morning would be christ-centered that we wouldn't be in our own minds worshiping some little um, god made out of wood wrapped in gold and and being fed oreos or something lord um, all those things that we can become distracted by that become our own god's we want to worship you, and we want to know you, and so I pray that you would be lifted up today. I pray in Jesus' name, Amen. So, I've done a lot of reflecting on the time that that we spent back east, and um, you know, I, I I'm not a super goal-oriented guy, but I, I kind of want to draw from it. Like I want to draw some lessons from this. I want to I want to wrap it up and tie it up in my own mind, and and I'm not sure that that. Uh, you know, that I'll be able to do that well or whatever or that I necessarily even need to. But, but you know, what, what benefit, what, what impact was made on, you know, for the kingdom of God on this trip? That's, that's kind of the question that's been occurring to me before we went. What's it going to be? While we're there, what, what is the impact? And then, and then after we got back, you know, what impact was made? And, and sure enough, we got to share the gospel in several different environments with some people who had never heard it before. We got to share the gospel uh, in a mosque with an imam. That's pretty cool. Need experience, really need experience. God, God, allowed us to do some things like that that were, that were exciting and encouraging. Another huge thing that happened, and uh, this was unexpected. To me, this is you know, Katie was talking about this, how encouraged uh, Reverend Winborn and his family uh, were to have us there. They they were in tears a couple different times, talking about how encouraged they were how important it was to them that we had that we had uh, come to see them and how thankful they were to you guys that you would send us to be with them they were super super encouraged and they they kept saying it was like a shot in the arm that they really felt like it kind of boosted them again and got them ready to <coughs> continue on in their ministry that's that's not always easy it's usually not easy and so that was a that was a huge benefit but another huge impact another huge benefit that that happened from this trip is the impact and the benefit that, that happened on us, the, the people who went from the things that we got to see. And so, how, you know, how how have we changed and what, what did God use to to work in our lives and, and what kind of changes have been made? And I would say that mostly the changes that I see in myself and I see in our group came about due to the difficulties that we faced. And, uh, you know, our difficulties were sometimes humorous and especially as we think about them now they're they're humorous at the time they didn't quite seem like that at the time they weren't all that uh humorous we didn't laugh at him too much we were a little bit concerned about him at times but open your bibles if you would please to uh, james chapter one and i was praying this week and asking lord what you know what uh what verse can i can i go back to How, you know help me understand what we've gone through help me understand um what kind of work you're doing in us and, and why I see the fruit that I do and what, uh, what's going on here. And he, he took me here to James chapter 1. Starting in verse 2. He says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. And a, a trial here is any kind of it can range from temptation to severe hardship, you know, a, a temptation, something that's gonna, that uh, you know, do, do I do I go after this thing? Do I do do I do this thing or not? Or or a severe hardship, you know, uh, like you know like the the are facing, um, difficult difficult heavy times, and a trial kind of fits that whole spectrum. It fits those whole thing that that whole spectrum there. And the question is going to be, will you trust God in this temptation, if it's a temptation, or are you going to give in to it? The question is going to be, will you trust God when things are stacked against you and it looks like you're going to lose and it really hurts? When you're feeling despair coming on, are you going to trust God? And that's the question. And so, you know, I look back on the trials and I'm going to to list off just six six trials that that I just pulled out of the air that I guess that stuck out to me from our trip six trials that we faced and the the first one was fundraising before we even went when we were uh, initially putting it all together and we found out how much it was going to cost per person I think for me I was a little bit excited that it was only a thousand bucks a person I thought hey that's pretty good and I told that to some parents and I got big big eyes from people a thousand dollars I don't want to pay a thousand dollars for my child to go on this trip you know and and a lot of people were like that so that that was a, a trial that we faced and we I remember, you know, standing back before it and talking with the parents and talking with the people who went and it looked like a big old mountain to climb, getting over that thousand bucks to, to get there, you know, to, to be able to to reach our fundraising goals, to pay for everything that, that we needed to pay for. It looked seemed like a big deal. It seemed like a real big deal and it was. And uh, that, that was a trial. Were we going to trust God in that? Were we going to trust God in that? The second one was when we got to Salt Lake City and... We, of course, knew about the blizzard, but when we got there and our flight was canceled and they told us, I remember Chris and I went up and talked to, talked to this person at the counter and they said, you shouldn't expect to be in Newark before Thursday or Friday. Four or five days, they told us. And we just, that can't be. We, you that, that can't be. And that was a trial for us. And we had to come back and tell our team, look, not happening. It's just not happening. We're going you know, to get there about the time we're supposed to leave Philly. And so that was a trial. Another trial that we faced that ate at us every day was our lost luggage. We had luggage all over the place and even those who got their luggage when they were supposed to when we got to Baltimore still had to deal without uh, their luggage when we were in Atlanta. So we, we spent 24 hours, a little more than 24 hours in Atlanta, no luggage. So uh, the Wuth family provided, you know, deodorant for us and toothbrushes because, yeah, it's important. They, because uh, we didn't have it. There, there were only—I think there were two—two two people on the team who had uh, even a change of clothes with them in their, in their carry-on bag. And so I praise God for my wife Stephanie because I was one of those. Thanks, <laughs> thanks to her. So lost luggage. Another one was like the conversation that, that Kim had with Johnny. That was—that was a big deal. That was a real—that was a confrontation with a big, hairy guy in a in a, a dark place in, that's very strange, surrounded by people that are very strange. That was a trial. Another one was, uh, we didn't even talk about this, but when we did the relief bus, we we divided the team up into two and we went to, to two different locations in the Bronx. Meanwhile, Chris was returning our two vans that we had rented and he was picking up a third van, which was so we could all be together and therefore pay less. And then he, so he was running back and forth from the relief bus uh, location in, in Elizabeth to drop off the, the vans and then come back. And so he was doing that and Amun was helping him for a while and then he started riding public transportation. Then he had to go get the other van and and then he had to find his way by himself into this neighborhood in the Bronx. Turns out the address he had was wrong so he, he, he didn't get to the right place. And uh, he was on this train, you know, in the subway or whatever and the train ahead of it was having car problems. And so that, that train stopped, so his train stopped. And so here's Chris bouncing around all over New York, just trying to get to us, just trying to get to us to serve with us and and never made it. We ended up waiting for another hour and a half after we got back to the relief bus and had cleaned up and everyone had left. I guess they were having a meeting somewhere else, but we were in the building. We were all alone in this building waiting waiting for Chris to come back. That's how long it took for him. He was just facing frustration after frustration. That's a trial. And another trial that I won't talk too much about is living for... uh, 12 days with 11 other people in one bathroom. That was a trial. That was a trial. Because even when we got up to the house that was beside a moon's, we still, it was, it was the 12 of us and one bathroom. And so that was very entertaining. But he, he, he tells us here to consider these things all joy. And I'll tell you, it didn't seem like all joy when you had to get up extra early to take a shower. You know that, that line for the shower that, that we all have in our homes? It started way earlier. We had, uh, was Emily? was getting up at like oh dark 30 to be able to shower so that she wouldn't be in anyone's way. And we had people showering until, I mean, it was crazy, just crazy. It didn't seem like joy at the time. It didn't look like joy and it didn't, it didn't feel a whole lot like like all joy to us. But James tells us here that we're to mark that in the joy column when we face those trials. We're to mark that in the joy column. We're to rejoice even in those things. Why? Why do we rejoice in those things? Why should we rejoice in those things? Why are we supposed to consider those things all joy? Well, James continues here. He says, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. The testing produces steadfastness. And the word testing here is kind of like um, to discern the quality of, to discern the makeup of. It's to, to see what's really there, to scrape away all the stuff that that is concealing what's really there and find out exactly what faith is like. Exactly how much faith do you have? Exactly how strong is it? What does it look like? Do you have a lot of faith? Do you have a little faith? It's to reveal that. And what's the result? What's the result of that testing, the outcome? I like what he says here, steadfastness. He says, you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. I think the NAS is Endurance. But the word is the idea of, of someone who is left behind when everyone else has been run off already. Everyone else has been scared off and there's someone left behind. That person is steadfast. And I I've thought about different images that I could use for this. And the one that sticks in my mind the best is from the second Lord of the Rings movie. Hang with me here. Second Lord of the Rings movie, when the Ents, you know, the tree people, when they're attacking Orthanc, And they break down the dam. And so the water comes rushing in. And you have all these orcs being washed away. And you have, what are the ants doing? They're just standing there. The water is pounding against them, rushing against them, washing away everything except for them. And they'd stand there. Water breaks against them, keeps on going. They're steadfast. That's the idea of steadfast. And that is the result of the testing of our faith, is that we're steadfast. Things, hardships break against us, and we stay there. Unmoved, unshaken, unbroken—we stay there. That's the idea of steadfastness. So, looking back at these trials that we faced, that we faced the fundraising one. What ended up happening with that? Does anybody remember the number we eventually hit? I didn't see the final result because there were still checks coming in when uh, when we were leaving, or the the weekend that we were leaving. 140 percent, 142 percent was the last count that I saw that he provided. So we saw that as a big old mountain, and he abundantly, overabundantly provided. And as I was uh, reminded by a brother of mine, even before we went, you know, when the Lord provides extra, he's usually got some purpose for it, and it turns out he showed us why he brought in 40% extra, because we needed it on this trip because of all of our detours and delays and all that kind of stuff. We trusted God through that, and we prayed, and we worked, and we did all that we could, but we believed that God would make it happen, and he did. We prayed and looked for what God was doing when he told us, when, when they told us, when Delta told us, you're going to be four or five days late getting into Newark. The first thing that we thought was just, we were shocked. Four or five days, I don't want to stay. You know, why not just, we could have family drive up to Salt Lake City and drive us home and it would, you know, we'd still save time. That's, you know, it's ridiculous to think of, think of staying there in the airport or whatever for four or five days. But we looked for God in it. And we prayed and we trusted that he had something going and we, we didn't know what it was. And we looked for opportunities and we made phone calls and we got other people involved and, and, and made one plan that ended up, we ended up setting that aside. And Chris texted me at 3.30 in the morning and uh, said, wake up, we got to make a decision. And he had just thought about another plan. And so I'm on, the, you know, it was, it was crazy, but God was doing stuff. He was doing, He was doing things. We expected that he would do things. We trusted that he would do things and we prayed that he would and he did. And it's interesting that they told us four days and God got us there in two days. I was pretty happy about that, pretty stoked with that. And our plan, our original plan, completely skipped the South. I mean, we weren't gonna go to the South, right? And instead we got rerouted down through Atlanta and we got to hang out with the Wuth family. We got to hang out with uh, former missionaries from Parkside. It was really, really a neat time. It was a neat time to be ministered to by them. And they took it as a huge joy. They were so excited to be able to minister to missionaries from Parkside because they had been missionaries ministered to by Parkside. They were so excited to be able to give. And they went to Walmart and came back with bags full of toiletries and all kinds of stuff. They put us up, they fed us. It was great. It was really a wonderful time. It was really neat. The whole luggage thing, not, not having our luggage for all those days, some people didn't have their luggage for the entire time that we were in Philadelphia. For the second half of the trip, it finally showed up. And so we were, we were looking. We were asking God, what are you doing? What's, you know, what it, what's the deal with this? And, and it, it wasn't all easy. I mean, it's, it's kind of comical to think about it now and to think about you know guys who haven't showered for a couple of days or they're wearing clothes. Even if they have showered, they're wearing clothes that, that, that they've been in for a few days. And I mean, that's kind of funny to laugh about. But we had a team, a team member who had a broken toenail And, uh, and she had, she had stuff in her luggage to take care of it and she couldn't get to her luggage. It wouldn't come, wouldn't come, wouldn't come. And here she's hobbling along, you know, and she, she needs to, she needs to dress her toes. She needs to do some different things. She couldn't do it. Didn't have access to her medication because it was in the luggage that was supposed to be there at the same time we were. So, I mean, it's more, more or less difficult, but it's really interesting to see how, uh, what, what sort of things were brought about by that we saw people opening up their luggage and sharing with each other. Here, you need some socks. You need some, you know, sharing with each other. And then this family from, uh, from Woodbury, New Jersey, opens up their wallet and says, okay, you guys have eight people who don't have your luggage yet. You need some changes of underwear and things like that. Here's 25 bucks each that you guys can just go shop. And so 200 bucks they shelled out so that, so that our people could go shop and provide for themselves. It was a really, really neat opportunity. So that was the clothing. He never gave us, well, it was a long time before he gave us our, our own clothes back, but he gave us money to buy new clothes. It was pretty cool. And the the lesson with Kim, I think we, we talked about that quite a bit when she was talking, after she had talked with Johnny and we had seen the impact and whatever, there was a lot of benefit. And we trusted that there would be benefit. It was just a while before we saw it. And then Chris running around all over the Bronx, trying, just trying to get to his team. And uh, I still don't know why, why that happened. He he ran around all day long, and we were praying that he would have opportunity to share with people on the train. On his last train ride, we thought, Lord, give him something to make the day worth it. Give him something. No opportunities on the train ride, so he took a nap instead, and I thought that was, that was, a, that was an excellent use of his time. But we were trusting, and we were looking for God's reason, and we trusted that he had a reason for what he was doing. That's steadfastness. Hardships breaking against you, and you stay. And the bathroom situation. What was produced in us because of sharing... One bathroom amongst 12 people. I have no idea. I I really don't. I don't have any idea. I was going to speculate, but I I didn't want to. So what's what's the end result? At the end of all of this, what's the end result that that happens? And I want to finish up with this. He finishes up, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And my paraphrase of that is that you may be mature and intact having what it takes. I think that's what he means here. Having, having what it takes to face these adversities and to press on in the Christian life, not battered about, not beaten up by life, but pressing on steadfast when those things break against you, you're going to continue trusting no matter what. You're going to stay there. And you grow in faith and maturity and completeness. The more of these trials you face, the more complete a Christian you are. And the more trials you can face in the future and stand against them, stand steadfast. So we're to consider it all joy when we meet trials of various kind because God uses them to bring us to maturity and to completeness. He uses th- those trials to equip us, to make us into the kind of Christians that he wants us to be, the kind of steadfast, God-trusting Christians that we all want to be and that he made us to be. So our team was actively on the lookout while we were on this trip. We were looking out for God, trying to see where he was going to join us, trying to see in these hardships and when they come up, what God, what's God going to do? What's he doing? And we were looking out for those. And we were watching them and we were ready to identify them. We were ready to pray about them. We were ready to look and see the benefit that God would bring from these trials. And then we come back here. Are we not going to have trials now because we're not on a mission trip? The deal is that we were just so specifically looking because we were there. Because we were on a specific mission as we saw it for God. We were on the lookout for those things. They're still going to happen. They're still going to happen. So you guys were back here. Well, did you guys not have trials while we were gone? Of course you had trials. You all had trials. They, they all went on. Well, what I want us all to be able to do and, and speaking to my team here, and you guys were supposed to amen me the whole time and talk to me the whole time and things like that. All right, that's better, that's better. What I want us to remember team and larger team is to be on the lookout for those things and identify them for what they are. Tools that are going to be used by God to bring us to greater maturity. That's what they are. They're going to happen anyway, whether we make use of them, make benefit of them or not. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that uh, you give joy in the midst of difficulty. Lord, and we, we laugh about the things that uh, that we did and and uh, kind of laugh at ourselves for our silliness and, and um, remember fondly, delayed flights and rerouting and all that kind of stuff and laugh about it now but but trials aren't always like that you you don't always get to the point where you can laugh at them but lord you you can give joy in the midst of them you can give joy and we for our end are to rejoice in those things in that we know that you will use them to work in our lives to mature us so keep that in mind Keep that in mind this week. Think about those things. Remember and keep an eye out for what God is doing. Amen.